Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 31, the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. Kevin, it was a bye week for the University of Oklahoma, so I'm saying I had it pretty good, especially compared to the University of Texas who went up to Stillwater, Oklahoma, in the wind, in the elements, against a ranked team coming off who was coming off a loss, taking a lead into halftime, a lead into the fourth quarter, and yet you find a way to whittle it down to a losing effort in Stillwater. Kevin, we'll get there. We'll get there. I want everybody just to sit and watch you stew for a little bit about this game. We will get there. We will talk about Quinn Ewer's performance. We'll talk about Bijan and Roshan and Sark. Um, You're going to have to give me something on the defense because I don't have anything that stands out there. But first, let's get to the top 25. Ohio State wins. Tennessee wins. Clemson wins. But Clemson, Dabo benches DJ Ugalia was this the right move? I think it was. Kit was turning the ball over. Too many turnovers. Two interceptions, a fumble. You got to win the game here, right? I know you want to protect the confidence of your star quarterback. But at the end of the day, you got to win the game. And they needed a spark offensively. Even though Kubrick didn't do anything spectacular, I think just a little change of pace has helped the team. Let's face it, though, DJ hasn't been the guy. I mean, he's he's been marginally good at best. I mean, he's had some some flashes. He's gotten better, but he's been turnover prone. He's missed easy passes. Their offense hasn't clicked last year or this year. Is he done, or do you think he's the starter the next time we see Clemson? I don't think he's done yet because I don't think we've seen enough from Klubnik to really justify making the switch permanent. I don't okay. know if he's ready to be the guy. Well, I mean, if you listen to Dabo after the game, he said, DJ's our quarterback. Then that could be coach speak, right? We've seen coaches do different things even after saying stuff like that. But I think he'll go with DJ next week. And I mean, but again, I think his leash is going to get shorter and shorter. You, you know, I, I, I find that quarterback getting pulled in situations like this fascinating because any other position on the field, has three turnovers in a game, has four turnovers in a game, has three or four bad decisions in a game. They get pulled. They get yeah. pulled. They say, "Come." the coach says, come over here and stand by me. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Let me walk you through it. You can't do that with the quarterback, allegedly. Uh, but Dabo's done it now with uh, – he did it with the guy that uh, Trevor Lawrence replaced. Um, my mind's going blank. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. And now he's done it with DJ. We saw Lincoln Riley do it last year with Spencer Rattler. Some would say almost too late, even though uh, Rattler or uh, Caleb Williams was able to come back in the Cotton Bowl. But it's just not something you see. You even mentioned it, that you might bring it up when we talk about the Texas game. There's just something, though, that keeps coaches from being able to make that decision. And I find it interesting that two of the – Two of the most respected coaches, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, have both done it within recent memory, and both for and it's worked out for them. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah, absolutely. I thought the um, same thing. 
Speaking of Nick Saban, they uh, go ahead and beat Mississippi State down 30-6, to six, uh, which is anytime you can hold a Mike Leach offense to six points. This was a ranked Mississippi State team, but they didn't deserve to be on the field with Alabama. Uh, staying in the SEC, LSU knocks off Ole Miss, which was a loss for both you and I in our picks. And just really, it sucks because I hate Brian Kelly, and I hate to see him have any success in LSU. And I just get frustrated to think that Alabama at this point is almost guaranteed a trip now to the SEC championship game. If this is how good Ole Miss is. Yeah, man. And look, I guess Vegas, Vegas knew it, right? We talked about this. What, what, yep. I don't know what they knew, but man, they really struggled. And we talked about Jaden Daniels, right? The quarterback from LSU. And he had a huge game, 248 yards passing with two touchdowns. 121 yards rushing with three touchdowns on the ground. Yeah, he's having a great year. He's having a great year for LSU. So, yeah, I mean, is this going to springboard LSU for the rest of the season, right? Because Texas A&M looks down. So could they end up finishing second in the West? I think if they finish second in the West, that would be a great accomplishment for Coach Kelly in his first year, especially given the way they started the season. Absolutely. Coming off of that loss of Florida State and Tennessee, if they can somehow bounce back, uh, I'd love to see him knock off. I'd love to see anybody knock off Alabama. But at yeah, this point, great. at this point, they look like the best the best option left because it's not going to happen at Auburn. Ole Miss just threw up a lot of question flags. Um, it's um, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, the other game we picked, the UCLA Bruins fall to Oregon. You picked this one correctly. You were all over Oregon, um, and they just look like the better team. Uh, it. it uh, UCLA, UCLA looked outmatched. They did, man. And if you can get a game like this out of Bo Nix, 22 of 28, 283 yards and five touchdowns, I mean, they're going to win a lot of games if you can get that kind of performance out of a guy like that. No interceptions either. That was the biggest part. Five I, touchdowns, no picks. I think it's I think it's pretty admirable what they've done recovering from that Georgia loss to go ahead and get ranked again get back in the win column and be and be and securely in the win column. Uh, I think Dan Lanning showing that he can play some defense because UCLA had been putting up points. I'll say this, though, for Oklahoma fan who hates USC, I think either of these teams can beat, can and will beat USC. I don't see how USC defensively stops either one of these teams. Yeah, that's their biggest issue, man. That defense is not great, and they, they held together okay up until that – uh, that Utah game where they really, really struggled to cover. Yeah. And their well, pass rush isn't consistent either. Listen, the talent just isn't there for them. On not, on that, not on USC side. Yeah, not on the defensive no. side of the ball. Absolutely not. Yeah, and if they're not forcing turnovers, which they – that's how they got by in those first few games. I think their turnover ratio is like – they think they're plus 15 when it comes to turnovers, something like that. Crazy. So uh, if they're forcing turnovers, they can be affected. But if they're not forcing turnovers, then, yeah, they really can't stop anybody. Dude, that was the story of Speed D for three years was we have to have turnovers. They never really materialized. Uh, you know, you don't know how to – I don't know that there's a magic formula for turnovers, but I would imagine playing fundamental sound defense probably leads to turnovers, and that rarely happens in an Alex Grinch D. So, USC fan, get used to that. You better hope you outscore them. Um You know what? Something occurred to me when I was looking at the top 25 that I have beat down Tulane nearly every week on this show when I talk about Kansas State. And I say, gee, I don't know how Kansas State lost to Tulane. I don't know how Kansas State stayed under 14 points with Tulane. 
Uh, I didn't realize that Tulane is in the top 25. They're yeah, they're actually, they're actually good It's <laughs> <laughs> so my yeah. bad. <laughs> I mean, it's Tulane, man. Like, you know? Yeah. They're 6-1. I mean, you, they... you name a player from Tulane? No, I can't name a you know, player. I, can think, I think of one guy. Who is it? J.P. Lofman. You remember him? Like, yes. Back there? Yes. That's it. And I only know him because Texas played against him when he was there. Where did he come from, though? He, he trans- was a transfer from... Oh, Stanford, somewhere on the West Coast, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Uh-huh. Okay, well, anyway, so congratulations, Tulane. The BBP uh, apologizes for your uh, victory over K-State and for dogging it. Apparently, y'all are pretty good. Well, uh, it's funny because when they – remember the, the game against OU last year, right? Because right. I left that – I watched it. I'm thinking, like, this doesn't look like a bad team. And, you know, I know OU should have been better and should have beat them by more points, especially given the fact the game was supposed to be – and New Orleans yes. ended up being moved to Norman at the last minute due to the hurricane. But no, it, they no. look like a good football team. Yeah. It, we all said, we all said, well, that team's going to finish seven and two, you know, or yeah. whatever, whatever the nine and two, whatever the number was. We're like, this, that's a good team. Mm-hmm. And I think they were two and nine. <laughs> uh, this week, this, this time around, if K State fan was saying that after the two late game, they were absolutely right. Tulane's a good team. Yeah. Um, Along the same lines as John doesn't know how to recognize talent, apparently neither does Jimbo Fisher. With another loss, this time to South Carolina, Spencer Rattler, when will Jimbo Fisher give up the offensive coaching reins, hand it to somebody that has some sort of imagination, i.e. Garrett Riley at TCU or anybody else? I don't know. Who's the offensive coordinator at Kansas right now? Anybody that knows how to put up points because it's not coming from A&M, despite all the talent they have, all the NIL money they've got, they are one terrible football team. And I can tell you what, it makes these two fan bases, Oklahoma and Texas, freaking love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, misery loves company, right? So when Texas loses, like they did yesterday, and, you know, kind of makes it a little better to see AM playing so poorly. Oh, they're playing so Which bad. Is, I mean, for an Aggie, if I was an Aggie fan, though, I, I'd be really, really upset. That's a game you can't lose. South Carolina, I mean, look, they're 5-2, and two, South Carolina. And I think Shane Beamer's done a really good job there so far, right? I mean, he's done a sure. really good job. But, I mean, Spencer Ratner was 12 of 25 for 168 <laughs> yards. You know, it's not like he had one of those. Yeah, he didn't throw for 302, right, yeah. Yeah. Marshawn Lloyd, the running back, was really talented, by the way. 18 carries for 92 yards. So they're getting beat because of their offense, their passing game. Haynes King, 17 of 32, 178 yards, one touchdown, one INT. I mean, that's not going to get the job done, man. They gave up a kickoff return, the opening kickoff. South Carolina took it back for a touchdown. It was just kind of back and forth after that. So, do yeah, NIL, it's a really, really bad loss for them. Do Is this going to make NIL boosters across the country put performance clauses in their NIL deals that they offer that's recruits? The, I, don't think, I don't think you can. If you're trying to do this legally. Right. Right? Because, I mean, look, SEC back say- in the day, they had a full-blown payroll. Sure, right. absolutely, like, 100%. Just, they had a legit payroll. They were tracking and everything like you would normally do, like you do for Brown. Yeah, Hunter, right. right, that's exactly right, yeah. They had a legit payroll. If you want to do this right, it can't be performance-based. It, it can't. Oh, you mean if you want to do it legally and by the legally, rules? Legally, by the rules. It cannot be based on performance, plan time, any of that. Uh, okay, Th- that's fine. And I think I think everybody would – Likes to believe. Let's say we like to believe. We think we believe. We like to believe that A and M has skirted the rules of legality 
this entire time. At least it feels that way, right? Because there's no reason in the world AM last year should have had the number one recruiting class of all time with the right. record that Jimbo Fisher has continually that he's continually put out. It just doesn't make any sense. Defies all logic. And we know they're active in NIL. We know that. Okay, so put two and two together and you say, well, maybe they're skirting the rules. I'm just wondering, and this is a serious question. I'm a business owner. I I wonder, I, I am not invested in NIL. I've not put any money in it. I it doesn't, I don't love the way it's going. I don't think there's any return on my investment. But some of these big boosters that are putting up big money, they've got to expect a return, e- either one of two returns, right? Either a return on their business investment so that it subsequents itself in more sales to whatever it is they're selling, or number two, wins. Those, like, if you're not getting one of those two things, how much longer is Aggie fan booster going to continue to give money? Now, the, the answer might be they keep giving money because they're stupid and they're stupid fan base and they just don't even understand what's happening in front of them. But to me, it just blows my mind. I can't imagine that scenario continuing to unfold. Yeah, and I think really their their main concern is going to be the head coach more than giving the, you know. Yeah. If you give money to the players, you're getting the players, the talent's there. Yeah. It's up to the coaches to put these kids in the best position to be successful, right? And with Jimbo's offense, all those guys he has on the offensive line and those really talented receivers, they've got two stud freshman receivers. Evan Stewart, I mean, listen, Texas – that was a really heartbreaking loss when he chose to go to AM. Right now, not that his career would be better at Texas right now from a wins and losses standpoint, not much better. But at least from a production standpoint, he'd probably be our number one receiver because I think what, he's better than Xavier Worthy is, right? What what's AM's record though right now? Uh they're three and four, actually. One and three in the SEC. I mean, Turning into a nightmare a season for them. I was about to say, Oklahoma and Texas both have winning records, at least. And and yeah. with all indications that we'll probably at least make a bowl game, I don't think they're making a bowl game. It, it, it looks unlikely, right? They still have – now, they do have that one late SEC bi-week game, game. Okay. I even at UMass. And UMass is one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah, so they're not right. losing the UMass. But they got Ole Miss at home. They've got Florida at home. That's going to be tough. They go to Auburn which is a tough place to play regardless of how bad Albert has been. And then they play LSU at home. So yeah, there's, and they've got to win three more games. Like you said, just to be bowl eligible. So it's not going to be easy for them. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating case study in NIL and everything when it, especially when you start, uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see if boosters continue to hang on. And maybe they will. Everybody talks about AM's fan base. Maybe they will. And also real quick, also before we move on, the recruits, right? And I know the NIL money must be great, but are they going to, even despite the potential in NIL dollars, going to start looking around? Just because, I mean, three and four, right? I mean, you, if you have a losing record or even six and six, like if you're someone like, you know, DJ Hicks, right? Do you yeah. still sign with AM despite that? Or do you. Start to look around. Well, I mean, I, I mean, listen, he this can go anywhere. He can call up any school in the country and commit on the spot. This He's is not talented. This is not an A and M podcast, right? This is an Oklahoma football and a Texas football podcast. But I, the, you bring up a couple good points there, and I, you know what? Why not, Kevin? Right? Let's dig into it. Uh, here, here's the thing that you've got to ask yourself: right? Is yes, the the current list of commit, the 2023 list of commits. 
That's that's a question mark. But you know, you talk about pro teams when they loot when the coach loses the room. Okay, you're essentially dealing with what are now, in some ways, a completely unbalanced roster of people getting paid the haves and the have-nots, and now you're not experiencing success. When you're winning, everything's great, right? Those guys, those guys that are making seven figures on their NIL deal, the the kid down at the bottom doesn't care because you're winning. That that changes when you're losing, right? At three and four, nobody is happy about that. Nobody, and so the guy that's making money, the kid that's not making money, the coaches, everybody, and so it has to amplify the possibility that you're going to lose the players that are there, even though they're getting the money. Does it make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. So perfect sense. I, I, I mean, I guess we'll see if if Jimbo's able to hang on to this recruiting class. Well, hell, if Jimbo's able to hang on to his job, A, B, this recruiting class, C, the current list of players he has, and they continue to sign at a high level, you know, that's going to be one thing. But even if all those things occur and they continue to lose, it's going to be a sign that NIL is not a guarantee for winning. It's just not. Correct. And I'm very happy that AM gets to be the poster child for entitled NIL athletes. And I hope that continues to last for a very long time. Um, Kevin, speaking of entitled, you know who's entitled? The insurance company. The insurance company is entitled when you have a loss and they don't want to pay you because they feel like they don't have to pay you. They feel like they only have to pay out what they decide they have to pay out. Even though for years and years and years as a policyholder, you have paid a premium month after month after month. At Brown O'Haver, we work for the insured, the person who owns the po- the person who's paying the policy and paying the premium. We work for that person. We fight against the entitled insurance company to make sure that insureds get paid their full and fair value on their insurance claim. So if you own a home or a business and you've lost it to fire, wind, theft, um, whatever the case may be, and you've had to file an insurance claim and the insurance company is not paying, Call Brad O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Let us work for you, not the insurance company. Well, Kevin, we made it 18 minutes and 35 seconds. Unfortunately for you, we still have to talk about what happened in Stillwater yesterday. We do. The floor floor is yours. Man, it was an absolute disaster. It was a disaster. We talked about this as a great opportunity for them to go up there and really stake their claim for a spot in the Big 12 championship game, right? To show that they've turned a corner, right? And this is not the same old Texas, right? We talked about that. Is it the same old Texas or is this the new Texas? Well, they showed. Man, they, they, were showing, they were showing graphics at the beginning of that game where Texas had a path to the playoff. They were yeah. talking about their path to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, they were talking about the fact that Quinn Ewers would have made all the difference in the world at TCU. Or Texas Tech. It, I mean, tech, I'm sorry, Texas Tech. Yeah, I play TCU. Yeah, Texas Tech. Um, it was it was there for the season, and the way Texas opened the game, man, you thought you thought they were going to stake their claim. I mean, the running game looked great in the beginning, right? Bijan was doing his thing. They were running some counter, and just huge holes opening up from the offensive line. Big runs from Bijan and Roshan Johnson. So it was a great start. 
My issue with this team, though, especially yesterday, there were several issues. The biggest one is not taking advantage of their opportunities. Okay. You remember when the controversial call of the muffed punt, right? Right. Yep. I've seen that replay 20 times. I don't know if it touched the kid's leg or not. Right. I, I can't tell no, either way. I'll tell you what, the, 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 the punt returner sure did not act like it touched him. He did not he freak out at all. I, either he, he was either he did a heck of an acting job or he yeah. didn't know it touched him. But yeah. usually it was such a weird bounce. Yeah. Because it, it hit the ground. It went almost towards him and then went back away from him. So the bounce made it look weird. But it's right? a foot. But then, it's a football. Man, a football can bounce. You know, I. Yeah. I, but I, I, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is based with it doing that is where it looked like it went. Bounced, went towards him, and then back away from him. And maybe that's why the sure. referee thought. Sure. And between that and then Keelan Robertson's reaction, either way, they got nothing from it. Nope. Okay. Later on in the game, Xavier Worthy gets a punt, takes it back to the 20-yard line. And we yep. can't get a touchdown. So it seems like every time the game was there for the taking, they just failed to take it. Now, you're a, te- you're a Texas fan. So you, much like Oklahoma fan, much like myself, I can see everything that we did wrong. Oklahoma yeah. has to face Oklahoma State coming up, though. How much did Oklahoma State impact that? Did they have a defensive scheme that really worked against you guys? I think they did a really good job of adjusting their run defense in the second half. That's what, yeah, that's what you that were really opening up. That's it what you texted me. Up. That's yeah. what you texted me. Those big runs weren't there. So instead of getting six, seven yards a pop, it started being two and three yards. Okay, I still think that Sark did not commit to the run enough. Uh, yeah. I listen. I just want to jump into it. Okay, I want to jump. I want. I want to jump into that run game conversation because everybody who listens to this knows I'm huge on run the damn ball. And if we, if Oklahoma had a Bijan Robinson, forget about it. I'd be. I would be just yelling it from the rooftops. Okay. So yours, John Johnson too. Oh, oh yeah. I got it. So yours went 19 of 49. 19 of 49. That's 30 okay. incompletions. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a hold second. On, hold, on, hold on just a second. Okay. For 319 yards, which is not bad yardage, but on no. 30 incompletions, uh, two, two touchdowns, three interceptions. So, look, I hear what you're saying. My point is this, though, right, is when you start looking at statistically, right, and you're evaluating what's occurring in the game, the odds are against you that yours is going to complete a pass. It's telling you that he's more likely to throw an interception, I mean, an incompletion than he is to throw a completion. Whether it was the wind, whether it was what they were doing on defense, whether it was a road game, it doesn't matter. He was ineffective throwing the football. You've got to run the football. Bijan, 24 carries. So now keep this in mind, 30 incompletions. Against 24 carries by the one of the best running backs in the country, if not the best, 140 yards and a touchdown. And then your backup, who I think has been a stud lately for y'all, or all year really, Roshan Johnson, only got five carries, Kevin. But here's the thing. He had 73 yards for 14.6 yards a carry and a touchdown. What is Sark doing? Furthermore, furthermore, hold on. I'm getting fired up for you. I hate Texas. I'm saying all this with a smile on my face. For those that are listening, I am smiling. It might sound like I'm getting mad at Sark. No, I'm not. I'm simply smiling. However, just as a football fan, it's like, what the hell are you doing? Go to the fourth quarter. Okay? Go to the fourth quarter. 
I looked this up. At the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, um, y'all were up 34-27, okay? Yes. I want to say it was like two minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, to go in the third quarter. Um, you had your first drive, Bijan had no touches. You had to punt. Your second drive, there were only two touches that went for 13 yards. And then two incompletions, you had to punt. The third drive were four successful runs, okay? Nobody even got stopped. They were like five, six yards. I think Roshan had a 13-yard run. You ran it four successful times. And then you decided to pass the ball twice and have an incomplete pass. And the four, on the by drive four, you're now down by seven. You have one run and then like eight plays and an interception. And then you're in desperation in the fifth drive. My point being is he went away from the run in the fourth quarter with the lead. Okay? Correct. Either with the lead or with the tie, he went away from the run. And it's – please explain it to me. I wish I had an explanation for it, right? 32 runs, 49 passes. Now, look, I don't know how bad the win was, right? I wasn't there, right? I, I was I don't know anybody who was in the stadium. I was in a soccer game on Northwest Oklahoma City, and the wind was terrible. I think it would have been a little more blocked by the stadium. Maybe it's swirling a little bit. The wind was not great. I, I Whatever. The wind was not great. Yeah. And if that is the case, then why are you calling 49 pass plays? And all of them, not all of them, but a huge chunk of those were deep shots. It was clear from the first quarter that he just was not on. Whatever, I don't, like I said, it could be the wind. It could be something else. I know he had a glove on his throwing hand. You didn't, feel, you didn't feel good about it on the first drive. No, no. The passing yeah. game was off. Quinn Ewers was off. The timing between him and Worthy and all the receivers, it just wasn't there. So I don't know if there was something with that hand, if it was a win. It doesn't matter why. All no. that matters is he was off, right? He was just off. And Sark, and Sark needs to know that, right? He's a he's an offensive he's, coordinator. This is what like, he does. He's a he's quarter, and have, a quarterbacks coach. He's got to have a feel for the game and a feel for where his players are at. And yes. but all that to be said, he gets him to the fourth quarter, and he even when Tech Oklahoma State ties it, you can still run down Oklahoma State. Yes. Like they're expecting. I don't know. It's. Yeah, I just don't know how and you then do it. just keep calling deep shot after deep shot after deep shot. None of them hit. None of them hit. And you know, have you ever seen a game with thirty incompletions before in your life? No, no, At any level. And you know what blows your mind too, as an Oklahoma fan, is he didn't do any of that against Oklahoma. Everything was no. underneath. Yes, in much more benign conditions. Okay, yes. against a much more susceptible opponent. Yeah, and Sark. We talked about this. We talked about this after the Red River game. He was Sark was a patient play caller. Quinn was a patient quarterback. They took what the defense gave them. They were they they worked it, worked it, worked it, hit it to Bijan, 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 Roshan worked it, worked it. That was not what you saw in this game. Not at all. And, and the thing with Quinn too is just he never looked comfortable at all. He never looked comfortable in the pocket. He looked jittery. He was throwing the ball away quickly instead of letting routes develop. I know you don't want to take sacks, right? You don't want to get hit. But, I mean, he's dropping back. He goes through one, one or two progressions. He's just throw, launching the ball out of bounds. Just throwing the ball away. And then just overthrowing everybody. So it was, whatever was going on. It was weird. I mean, Xavier Worthy, they were just off. You were, 
You're up 34-24 with uh, two minutes left in the third quarter. Well, I guess that's when that's when they kicked the field goal. So right up yeah, into that point, left. yeah, right up into that point, you were up by ten. You were up ten. At, you were up seven at halftime, and you'd really stopped them in the third quarter. Um, they kind of stopped you too, see, but that was and okay. That's where I know. That's why I have again. We're talking about that, not taking advantage of your opportunities, right? Right. Defense is playing well to start the third quarter, and we can't capitalize. We can't run the ball. We can't throw the ball. And listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from Oklahoma State. I thought they played well, but this is a team that had a ton of injuries. They had a ton of injuries. There were there are holes to be taken advantage of in that secondary and the, with the linebacker core. And yeah. they just did not take advantage of it. Well, what was Jatavian Sanders yesterday up until the fourth quarter? And if you look at – speaking of Sanders, if you look at Spencer Sanders' numbers, they were fine. I mean, yeah. these days these days things sound different. You know, 34-57 for 391 yards. It's a lot of yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But he still had a lot of incompletions, you know, not 30. And he's, you can see he's injured, right? Yeah. Like, you can clearly see he's injured. And they didn't take advantage of that either. It was, he's still making good throws. I, I just right? – I didn't under, I didn't understand your offensive game plan, especially in the fourth quarter when it kind of got to nut cutting time. Well, it's been twenty four hours, and I still don't understand it either. Um, I mean, nineteen of forty nine. I still can't believe that. Like I like I said on any I level, I have never seen a quarterback have thirty incompletions in one game. No, but, okay. So we talked about this with the Clemson game, and we talked about pulling him. I I saw that. I saw some talk on Twitter about going back to card in this next game. Are you thinking that maybe Sark had an opportunity to pull him in the, in the third or fourth quarter? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I thought he should have. And again, I'm not talking about benching Quinn Ewers for the entire season and for the next game, but it was just clear to anybody who was watching, right? You maybe, maybe it was his shoulder. Maybe it was his shoulder. Maybe it was his hurt. I don't know if he's hurt or not. Either way. I thought he should if you're a Sark, you have a responsibility to win the football game. But let me ask you so, this though: you have the lead the whole game, though, right? I mean, you're essentially yeah. you're essentially a, a, a field goal to a touchdown to a ten point lead, all the way from the second quarter or from the end of the first quarter on. Yeah, Do you pull your starting quarterback when you have a lead. Listen, from what I was watching, right? You're saying when you okay? That, you're saying when you had the lead. The thought in your mind is Sark should consider pulling yes, Hudson Card. This is not hindsight. Okay. That's these bold. Are, these are my thoughts during the game. Bold. This is not me looking back now. Oh, this is what we should have done. No, this is my thoughts as this was happening. Uh, folks, Look, I, we've been down this road the, too many for times. The, for the record, guys, I can confirm this. I'm I'm sounding like I don't know what I'm asking. I absolutely know what I'm asking. Kevin was texting me this in the third quarter. This is a firm. I can I can. Confirm the validity of the validity of this not being hindsight or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not. I just, but I texted back and said, "Do you really want to pull a guy when you've got the lead?" I mean, yeah. it's you're saying yes. <laughs> yes listen, we've been that. down this road too many times, right? We've seen this team not be able to hold leads, and the reason why it happens is because the offense goes stagnant. Listen, if you're playing against a team like Oklahoma State that has good players and more importantly has a great coach, and Mike Gundy, right? I give Mike Gundy his due because he's not a good coach. He is a great coach. Strong right? And it's true. I think it's true. He's a great football coach. I know he's had his struggles against OU, so you guys kind of make fun of him. And I get that, right? But no, Mike Gundy is a great football coach, especially it's worth that he doesn't recruit better. Well, that's another story, though. Yeah. But against a coach like Mike Gundy, you can't just sit there 
and let your quarterback struggle while the lead is diminishing. You you texted me right before the fourth quarter. You said, are you guys going to hold on? And I said, no, because the offense is not doing anything. We were playing good defensively, but if your offense keeps going three and out, three and out, maybe get one first down and then go three and out again, eventually your defense is going to get tired. We had guys go out too, right? Remember Ryan Watts, big corner, good corner, probably our yeah. best corner. He got hurt in the Iowa State game, and that's when Xavier Hutchinson started to go off, right? He got hurt again. He didn't come back. That's when the passing game really got going. Our safety, Anthony Cook, the one who almost, the one who forced a fumble last week, he got, he's injured. He got injured. He broke his arm. So once those got out, they really start. We had a walk on playing safety, right? Well, so here's here's and again. Other, so that's why the offense has to be better. Here's some other to stats. Protect for that guy. Other stats that we haven't got to yet. Texas three for seventeen on third down, and. You do not have to look very far to find the, the, the symptom of that ailment. And the symptom of that ailment is not running the ball effectively on first and second down. Or I should say not running the ball on first and second down. Putting Yours is still a freshman quarterback. He still yeah. doesn't have the experience. That he, he can't just put he a no team. At all. He can't yeah. put a team on his shoulders and go win a game. Um, I think Texas, and I think a little bit of you, Kevin, has Texas fan has fallen into the trap of Quinn is special. I've seen this all. We've seen this all over Quinn's special. I think you could make the argument that Quinn is going to be special, but he's not there yet. No, he's got special talent. He's got special talent. It's, it's, I will. Yeah, but, but no, he's, but yeah, he's not he's there not yet. Guy yet. And you, no. you've got, you got to give him, you got to put him in opportunities to make those plays. Yeah. And when you've got Bijan Robinson and statistically a really good second in Roshan, uh, Jock, run the yeah, run the ball. Run the ball. Yeah. Where um, was the screen game, real quick? Did you? Oh, I don't know if you saw. It was in the beginning of the game. They threw that little quick screen out to the receiver, Brennan Thompson. It was the first catch of the season. Takes it for like sixty yards down into the red zone. We end up scoring like the next play. We never saw anything like that again. What about this? What about the short passing game to Bijan? Yeah, I think exactly. you scored it. You scored a touchdown on him. Yeah, we scored on the wheel route with him. With him. Yeah, and yet, and you didn't see it again. Never. It's no. like it. That that is what frustrates me the most about play callers, is especially Sark. Go he ahead. goes away from those kind of things. You see a bunch of motion and shifting and things like that in the first quarter, which like after that initial script is gone, then all that goes away, and it's just like the regular old base handoffs and yeah passes. It's it's perplexing to say the least. Now here's a controversial stat, and I'm e- I'm eager to get your take on it. Uh, 14 penalties for 119 yards versus zero penalties for Oklahoma State. Zero penalties. So not only do you have a game where one quarterback has 30 incompletions, but then the opposing team has zero penalties. I got to tell you, I I had no – I could care less about who won this game. I, my emotion, sometimes you're watching a game, and even with its teams you don't like, at least for me – I kind of find myself pulling for one team, yeah, pulling for the other team. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I don't really like them, but maybe in this situation. No, I found myself, like, consistently going, I wish they could lose both. I mean, like, I, I didn't care. But I couldn't get over the fact that Oklahoma State had zero penalties. That sounded incredibly sketchy to me. Yeah, I mean, the Texas 14 penalties, most of those were legit. There were maybe two that I thought 
were questionable. The holding penalty late, I thought was questionable. One of the pass interference ones I didn't think was great. But other than that, they were sloppy, right? False starts, jumping yeah. off sides. You know, yeah. the, the receivers got grabbed. I mean, the DBs got grabby at, at certain points in the game. But, yeah, but for them to have zero penalties is, is in a game like that, a physical game like that, yeah, it's highly, highly unlikely I, to go a, an entire game with zero penalties. I, I, I get that they're disciplined and they've got a good coach and they were playing at home, yeah. but, yeah, man, still. you think a pass interference or a defensive holding. Yeah, hold, or, a holding or offensive holding? I mean, it just seems – it seems off, odd and off-putting, and I don't know if, if the Big 12 is – I don't want to even entertain that the Big 12 is out to get Oklahoma or Texas. Listen, but a, they're not a, doing us any favors, though. Either that's team. exactly right. But an officiating an officiating game like that is is pretty freaking sketchy. You know, listen, the Big 12 officials are not doing Texas or Oklahoma any yeah. favors at this point, and we should expect that for the next two seasons because it looks like we're stuck. I picked Oklahoma State to cover at the time. We didn't know if Spencer Sanders would go. My analysis was if Sanders goes, they win because they will have the more experienced quarterback, the better coach, and they're at home. I think that's what played out. Completely um, agree. And yeah, I just that's exactly what played out. And it didn't have to, I don't think, from from no. this, for this being the Boomer Bevo podcast, the argument to be made that Texas had an opportunity to win that game is real. It you is should have won the game. And that's you had why the it's lead. So frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Everything points to them the way that the running backs played. But yeah, it's just the same things that we saw last year from Texas. We saw this concept all season at home and on the road. But we're seeing it on the road only this year, right? It seems like they're they, they play better at home, like most teams do. But last year, they were choking leads at home. Oklahoma State was at home. The Kansas loss was at home in Austin. But this year, the Texas Tech, um, this game, when they go on the road, they just the communication isn't there. The DBs start holding a little bit more. You get more pass interference calls, right? The offside stuff, the false starts, just the lack of composure on the road really affects this team. Well, Sark, Sark, frustrating. Is, Sark is terrible on the road. Yeah, he is one in seven at Texas now on the road. One in seven in Texas on the road. And I don't yeah. know that I, I didn't look the stat up for what he was at USC or Washington, but I don't think it was great yeah, I'm there not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about what he was there. But yeah. I'm starting to see the same things on the Twitter verse that you've said for the past uh, couple months that you trust him as an offensive coordinator, but not as a head coach. But I want to challenge you even more and say, do we trust him as an offensive coordinator? Because I think you your analysis. Well. I think your analysis of the creativity in the first quarter versus the creativities in quarter two, three, and four is spot on. Yeah. Subsequently, look at the game plan against Oklahoma, which was very good. And then not, and and even against Iowa State, which I think was very similar game plan. Take what they give you. Don't let, don't, don't let Quinn be the reason you lose. Run the ball. Keep it in, keep everything, you know, everything kind of tight. I think he did that against Case Iowa State. Did, did he just run out of patience against Oklahoma State? Did it certainly he... seemed that way. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and here's the thing: he can prepare, but he can't adjust. Yeah. Right. Because I think against OU, what they started off with worked. It worked the whole game. Yeah. Right. He never really had to adjust. Same thing with Iowa State. Even though that game was close, the running game yeah. was always there. It was yeah. always it just worked every. So he can't adjust for some reason. 
right? And and good coaches adjust. He can't adjust. He can prepare, but not adjust. And it's we're in year two now, so you know it's becoming very very concerning. Um, you got a bye week, and then who do you play? Um, at K State. Listen, dude. K State. Yeah, on the road. If K State gets Adrian Martinez back, it's going to be a ball game. It will be an absolute ball game. One hundred percent. If they don't, I, do you know what he was hurt with? How bad he was hurt? I don't. And I did he start the game? I mean, yeah, he was there. I saw him play in the first he, first quarter. I thought, yeah. So I I don't know. Um, I have no idea what happened. I, I will tell you this: from somebody who just came off a of bye week, it's incredibly relaxing. So just relax. Um, unfortunately for you, it's coming after a loss. Ours came after a win, but that's okay. Um, you don't have to worry about the Big Twelve Championship anymore. You don't have to worry about the college football playoff where both schools are currently playing for the uh, Alamo Bowl. So just readjust your mindset yeah, just, and you're yeah, going to be fine. we can go back to San Antonio. One of us gets to go back to San Antonio. Oh, my gosh, hometown. dude. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Listen. <laughs> the Big 12, right? Let's pivot into that, right? Who, who's going to play for it? I mean, I think you'd have what? to say TCU is the overwhelming favorite to make the game, right? I oh. think Oklahoma State is very beatable. They're a great team. They're beatable. They're but- beatable. They're beatable, but at this point, let's look at Oklahoma State's schedule. At this point, they have the tiebreaker over Texas, so that's going to make it tough. Yeah, They've got a tiebreaker over Baylor, and, I mean, I guess we have to say they have a tiebreaker over Texas Tech, right? Yeah, yeah, well. I mean, because, well, okay, I'm looking at, because Texas Tech is only two and two. Texas Tech only has two losses. In the conference, okay. In the conference, yeah. Okay, so you have TCU, Oklahoma, TCU with no losses. Oklahoma State three and one, K State three and one, Texas three and two, Baylor two and two, Texas Tech two and two. Um, the thing is, Oklahoma State has Kansas State next week. Yeah, at Kansas State too, and at Kansas. We need Jaden Daniels needs to be right. back. Our Jalen Daniels needs to be back for that game for that to be any good. Yeah. They've really reeled since losing him. Um, Iowa State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. It's not a cakewalk for Oklahoma State. No, but, it's not. It's but not. The, I still think there's still losses out there for pretty much everybody. That's just I, the, the nature of the league this year. Just okay. I I thought that if Oklahoma State beat Texas, that that would be an elimination game for Texas. And I, I, you were probably right about that. I still think I'm right about that. And now I think Oklahoma State, K-State is an elimination game for one of them. Because at this point, with the number of games you have left, it's starting to come down to the tiebreaker. Yeah. Because even if, if, if Oklahoma State beats K-State, Let's just use that as the example. Oklahoma State beats K-State. K-State has two losses, but now Oklahoma State has to lose two more games yeah. because they have the tiebreaker. So it's not that and Kansas State would have to win out, right? So Kansas State would have to win out, including yeah. a game against Texas. So I think at this point we'll know a lot. I think it's the top three. I mean, I know that's probably chalk talking, but I just don't see. I mean, let's face it, right? We don't see Texas Tech making a run. I guess Baylor. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to play better, right? But Baylor, let's see. Has Baylor played TCU yet? I don't Man. think so. I'm pulling them up. Baylor's got Tech, 
OU, K-State, and TCU, and Texas. So I just don't think Baylor is making a run all the way through that. Yeah, I mean, either. I think this thing is still is still open, right? I think it uh, I don't think Texas – like, I, I saw too many bad things from them to think they even have a shot. So this is not me being a homer here. But I think they could still be a team – I don't think it's a lock that it will be TCU and Oklahoma State for a rematch. So I think – I think if anybody can upset the top three, all right, I think Baylor is – I mean, I think TCU is firmly in. And then I think next week determines whether it's Oklahoma State or K-State in terms of being in the driver's seat. The yeah. only person that can upset that apple cart is Baylor because they have everybody in front of them. Yeah. Now, listen, though, that Bedlam game is not going to be easy for Oklahoma State. No, not if we're putting points up. Not if you you see the offense that we saw against Kansas. Yes, that's the thing. You can put Dylan Gabriel out there. You can put points up. Yeah. And that secondary, Texas did a horrible job of exploiting it yesterday, but there are plays to be made against that secondary the way they cover. If if your quarterback can throw accurately, it gives you a chance. Now, I know the Bedlam November, was it November 19th? The weather's likely not going to be good. It's probably going to be windy, right? But Well, it's at least going to be colder, I would think. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys can have an opportunity to potentially play spoiler and ruin Oklahoma State's season. Oh, Which I great. think, given the season that OU has, I mean, that would be pretty cool. It would be, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma has a chance to ruin Baylor's season, Oklahoma State's season. Um, I don't know. Even Texas Tech's making a little bit of a run. It's it, Yeah. It is open. I just um, at this point, I'll, I'll just say this, man. This league has been fun this year. This has been the best the Big Twelve has been, top to bottom, in a long time. It really has, and I think so much of it is is the quarterbacks. I think it's having yeah. those experienced quarterbacks. Yeah, um, we're seeing that play out, right? Yeah. We saw that with um, yesterday, right when Dylan Gabriel was playing. Yeah, just a difference in the team. And- we saw what happened to K State when Adrian Martinez went down. Mm-hmm. Um, TCU and TCU with Duggan, yeah, yeah, continues. Been that there for four years. Um, okay, well, hey, you're on a bye week. Oklahoma has Iowa State at Iowa State. Um, this is a chance to kind of build on whatever momentum we got from the K State or from the Kansas win. We're going to talk about that this week. We'll catch up some more on how Texas is regrouping, but um, it's a pretty good show, Kevin. I'm pretty. I, you, you know what I like. This is the problem with you as a Texas fan is you're not obnoxious and you come with facts and your analysis is usually spot on. And I think you nailed exactly why y'all got beat. It's uh run the, run the damn ball. Just run the damn ball. If you're yeah. out there, Sark, Levy, BB, whoever it is, run the damn ball. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Boomer. Okay.